I love a documentary. You don't have to make sex sounds every time you say you like something. That is not my sex sound. <laughs> okay. You're no my sex sound. No! <laughs> Shut up! I'm going to rip the headphones off my head. <laughs> I don't want to know. Smashing Security, episode 265, The Nigerian Super Cop, and a versus a with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 265. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And this week, Carol, we're joined by... <laughs> well, we were being joined by someone very special. Very special. They got sick. And their voice mm. was gone. And I actually made an excuse to call them up to make sure. And that's right. spluttered down the phone. <laughs> I, I can't come on the show, Carol. My voice. But they'll be back in a few weeks. So you will find out who it is then. Yeah. Let's get on with the show and thank this week's sponsors, Collide and Drata. Their support help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? I'm going to be giving you some new developments in the Hush Puppy case. Hush Puppy case? You mean the shoes? Maybe. Oh? No. Oh. <laughs> and um, I'm visiting Jeff Bezos, or who I call now Jesus's Empire. <laughs> Plus, we have a fab interview with Jason Meller. He's CEO and founder of Collide. And he talks about what drove him to launch the company, what services they use to empower IT to improve your security posture by working with, not against employees. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, Chum Chum, there have been many famous detectives, haven't there? Can you name some famous detectives? Not real ones, only TV ones. Wait, you only know TV detectives? I think so. What about Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> okay, literary detectives. All right. Mm -hmm. What about Basil, the great mouse detective? Mm -hmm. Magnum P.I. All fictional detectives. Who was... <laughs> I don't know if Sherlock Holmes was fictional. Yes. Um, what the, what, <laughs> he was. What, Jesus who Christ. was your favourite detective, girl? I like Sidney Grace. He's my favourite. You won't know him. Oh, what's he from? He don't read. It's books. It's books. Anyway, he's kind of a rival to Sherlock Holmes. And I think they exist no. in the same time frame. But he's mm -hmm. a real asshole. I like him. <laughs> oh, well, I like Columbo. And Columbo, definitely not an asshole. Um, but there are some very famous, genuine, real-life detectives like Abba Kiari, the Deputy Commissioner of Nigerian Police. I'm sure you've heard of Abba Kiari. Because it's, he's not come across my echo chamber, but that could be my failing. Well, I'm sure our listeners in Nigeria know about him because he is a bit of a superstar. Abba Kiari. Mm. is the youngest high-ranking officer in the Nigerian police force. He's been celebrated as a hero by Nigeria's president, and he's gained the reputation of super cop. Not Robocop, <laughs> super cop. I, bet, I wonder if someone suggested Robocop. No, no, not that one. <laughs> After, well, he's made tons of successful criminal convictions. He, he's brought people to justice. He's arrested notorious kidnappers. He's rescued girls who've been abducted. He's grabbed robbers. Does he's he been wear, given countries. Does he wear his pants on the outside of his trousers? Like a real superhero? No, he's a very oh. dapper individual. If right? you go to his Instagram account... Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you will see... What does he post? very stylish. Mostly pictures of himself um, looking, looking sort of... <laughs> Or just looking like, you know, a bit of a super cop. 
Okay. Um, he's been given the country's top gallantry awards three years in a row. He's actually said to be the most decorated police officer in Nigeria in the last 20 years. He's a big cheese. Okay, I'm really nervous because we're talking about him on our show. So, Well, he's not coming on the show. He's not, it's, it's not like he's lost his voice. <laughs> he even has a street named after him in his hometown. Is it written in crayon? No, or is no, no, no. He's got a real okay. site. They, they, they erected it in his office. They love this guy. I've been, yeah. I've been, well, I kind of love him too. I've been ploughing through his Instagram. I've been fascinated okay. by his posts. Um, on his birthday, for instance, someone raved like this about him. This is what he himself reposted on his Instagram. And it has a quote. It says, your essential authenticity unnerves me. Your disarming wit, your unfailing commitment to faith, family and country are issues that compete for expressions around you. You're patriotic and humble. You're a friend to all you meet and evidence in class and dignity. You represented the best of our country with your generosity, humility and kindness. Your birth speaks solemnly. It goes on and on and on. Okay, uh, my alarm bells are ringing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know that. Okay, crack yeah. on, crack on. Basically, he's an amazing guy. He's like the best. Imagine someone like me, but being a deputy commissioner in the Nigerian police force. And that's the kind of impression you're getting. He's got a he's got a big social media profile. He's someone who's adulated over, someone who's looked up to, someone who's admired. A lot of testosterone. Are you adulated over? Hmm? <laughs> Are you adulated over? I think there are corners of the universe which might occasionally hmm. look at the smash. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Carol, you know, hey, right? Um, now, basically, he's an amazing guy. Right. Or is he? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Because cast your mind back two years ago when in episode um, 186, I think it was, <laughs> of Smashing Security. <laughs> Good that you did your homework. Yeah, no, I just happened to memorise them all. Um, we shared with you the extraordinary story of Raymond Abbas, another Nigerian who was better known as Ray Hush Puppy. Yes. Now, he was a Nigerian Instagram influencer. He had 2.3 million followers, which is even yes, more yes, yes. than uh, Abakiari, my policeman. Super cop. And he regularly posted pictures of his jet-set lifestyle, his foreign yeah. trips, his expensive cars, his designer clothes. Big clunky watches. Yeah. that That's right. Uh-huh. And one of the ways that Hush Puppy, if you remember, and his gang made their millions was through laundering money stolen through business email compromise, right? They broke into corporate email systems. They sent bogus invoice requests for payment. They tricked companies into coughing up money, transferring it into an account under their name. And then disappear. Yep. Okay, I remember. Absolutely. Right. Now, Hush Puppy was alleged to have been involved in a number of pretty major frauds. There was an attempted theft of $100 million from a English Premier League soccer club. There was a plot to move 200 million quid from a company in Scotland. So he dreams big, Hush Puppy. Yeah. 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 And, you know, to be honest, a very successful Nigerian entrepreneur. Scammer. Right. Well, yes. Okay. So his particular industry was that of crime. This must be so shitty to every other Nigerian out there who's just trying to do a good, solid yes. job at what they're doing. Yes. I hate it. Now, the US Department of Justice, they caught up with Hush Puppy. Caught up and with him? Like physically or just called him on the phone? Yo, 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 Hush! <laughs> hush! It's no talk! <laughs> 
Yeah, hush, hush, <laughs> puppy. Um, now, hush, puppy, and two of his co-conspirators, according to the DOJ, they attempted to defraud a business person in Qatar, not the um, the phlegmy nose condition. The country. Yeah, the country. <laughs> yeah. By by claiming to be consultants and bankers who'd facilitate a, uh, a the construction of a school. So what they did was they created bogus documents. It's not the Department of Justice who did this. This was the the bad guys. <laughs> this is Hush Puppy and his crew. Exactly. Fake yeah. banking website, telephone banking line. They, they, they allegedly defrauded about 1.1 million out of this individual. But something went wrong with the scam. Hush Puppy fell out with one of his gang, a guy called Vincent. Or Vinny for this story, yeah. right? Let's, okay. All right. <laughs> hey, Vinny. All right. My cousin. Okay. So Vinny... <laughs> Vinny, the Italian-Nigerian. <laughs> Vinny, he turned on Hush Puppy and he said to have contacted the Qatar business person and said to him, hey, that, that puppy, that Hushy puppy, he's no good. He's trying to defraud you, right? Mm. So the, the scam was ruined. Right. Yeah. And you would think at that point, well, this is really bad news for Hush Puppy because Hush Puppy's going to get caught. Hush Puppy's going to go to jail. Just wait until Supercop from Nigeria hears right. about this. This is a popcorn-eating moment. Okay, I'm right. with you. I'm with you. Because now we've got it coming together, right? Because we've got, we've got Abba Kiari, this amazing Supercop from Nigeria, one of the most high-profile policemen. Decorated thricely. Y- yes. Yes. Yes, multiple times. Thrice, thrice. <laughs> well, <laughs> what is alleged to have happened is that when Kiari caught up with Hush Puppy, what actually happened was that Hush Puppy, the Nigerian Instagram influencer and fraudster, said to Kiari, the super cop, could you, um, could you go and arrest Vincent instead of me? And if you do that, I'll give you a whole load of money. Mm. And so what's said is that Kiari, the super cop, arranged to send photographs of Vincent arrested and in jail. <laughs> Oh, he faked to it? Hush Puppy. He faked it. No, 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 no. It's, it looks like it really happened. They did arrest Vincent. Right. He sent the photographs to Hush Puppy, and then the cop sent his bank account details to Hush Puppy, saying, can I receive no. payment for a job well done? No. It's like line of duty. Oh. It's like who's H. H is Hush Puppy. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> now we're sucking on diesel. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Joseph and the sweet baby Jesus and his donkey. Um, anyone outside the UK doesn't know what we're talking about now. But anyway, now Kiari, the super cop, mm-hmm. he claimed, uh, he said, oh, no, 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 no. Hush, hush, no, no, I'm not calling you. Siri says, okay, I'll call. No, 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 you're not in my dress book. He said, no, no, all I ever did was supply Hush Puppy with designer clothes because we're both on Instagram. Says Vinny. No, this is Kiara. All oh, right, Kiara. Vinny's still in jail. Vinny's in jail. Vinny's in jail. Vinny's screwed. Right. Okay. Hush puppy's out. Kiari has been found allegedly asking for money and jailing people on Hush Puppy's word. And it's subsequently emerged allegations that Kiari, the super cop, um, has been a bit of a naughty boy. It's suggested that he's fairly high up in an international drug smuggling ring. <laughs> for fuck's sake. So not so super at all. Really so, not super at all. Is it- <laughs> not a great guy. No. If it's true. 
And um, it said that he was involved in a, a deal involving 25 kilograms of cocaine. So some of the some of the drugs. <laughs> Who's going to tell cops, the guy who left him wax lyrical message on his Insta profile? <laughs> Who's going who's gonna to break well, it to him? If you go to the Instagram now, there are people who are slightly disappointed in him. They are leaving comments now because they used to, they used to adore him. Oh, my gosh. So it's said that he sort of, when he found out the drug enforcement cops got hold of all this cocaine, he went round there and said, look, guys. Guys, um, guys, guys. Yep. Guys, guys, huddle. He said, guys, look, <laughs> you don't have to take all 25 kilograms of cocaine and take that to the court. Why don't you just take 10 kilograms of cocaine? We'll take the other 15 and split it between us to sell. And we'll replace the rest with baking soda or something. And Are you kidding me? No. Basically, there's been all kinds of shenanigans going on involving the most famous cop in Nigeria. Not so super cop from now on, right? <sighs> exactly. A bit of a dummy. Anyway, um, fortunately, the drugs cops... Um, they weren't so sure this was a good idea, so they went to their bus and said, you don't believe what super cops just suggested we do. <laughs> and so they dobbed him in. So Kiari, the super cop, has been suspended. It remains to be seen whether the US want him or the Nigerians are going to deal with him. There's all kinds of investigations going on into him. But he does appear to have been, at very least, involved with Hush Puppy, um, whether providing him with designer clothes or not. <laughs> So there you go. I mean, this is the thing. When you when you turn into be a big fraudster, you have so much money and you have to launder so much of it. I guess there might come a point where you start paying the cops yeah, to okay. help you out. Yeah, keep I know. Your business but, going. You know, it's kind of a dead giveaway if you go around wearing Armani suits and <laughs> crocodile shoes and Rolexes and you're a cop. No. Would you like a road named after you in your hometown, Carol? No. All right. I wouldn't even want a statue. No, <laughs> imagine. <laughs> be like the Princess Di one at Harrods. Uh, you could have a little yes. shrine to you, Carol. Maybe, maybe when you're gone, with your headphones on and your microphone. Right. Who knows? I'll arrange it. I'll arrange it. I'll make it out of Lego. Yeah, because you'll be alive. Carol, what's your story for us this week? All right, Amazon. So Amazon says on its website that it designs Alexa and Echo devices with multiple layers of privacy and security, mm. from built-in protections to controls and features that you can see, hear, and touch. It sounds next level, right? It oh, sounds wonderful. They say they use this built-in technology called keyword spotting, okay? Because people worry about these devices listening to them when they don't want them to. Because they sit in the background and wait for you to say, Alexa, or or whatever, or go gadget go, don't they? And then they appear to act on your command. So they sit there and they're listening and they're waiting to awaken to the acoustic pattern of the wake word, which Ooh. normally is um, Echo or Alexa. Any other sound waves other than your chosen wake word would be ignored. It sounds great. It sounds amazing. <laughs> Except right. a few weeks ago, academic researchers from the Royal Holloway University in London and mm. Italy's University of Catatonia. <laughs> Mulder and Scully. Aren't they a Welsh band? Yes. Catatonia. What I mean is University of Catania. <laughs> and researchers from these universities published a yes. paper demonstrating a brand new working exploit. 
and they're calling it Alexa vs. Alexa, or because that's very long for techies to say, AVA. <laughs> vs. as in versus. Versus. Right. Okay. Um. And this is where it gets kind of crazy. The proof of concept exploit actually uses the device's very own speaker to issue voice commands. <laughs> so, so the so you've got this little smart speaker, right. and it says something like "reset the Alexa to factory settings." By the way, sorry if anyone's playing this out loud and their is now resetting itself. And the, the Alexa will go and take that command and do it. <laughs> Is that right? Kind of. So they kind of say this. The researchers told the register, self-activation of the Echo devices happens when an audio file reproduced by the device itself contains a voice command. Right. And until Amazon was notified by these researchers, third and fourth generation Echo Dot devices were vulnerable to being turned into basically, I don't know, would you call them home gremlins? So, we just wait till you see. Just wait. So, AVA, for those in the know, right, starts with a vulnerable echo device connected by Bluetooth. So, the attacker needs to have some proximity to the device. Again, this right. is a proof of concept. Right. Okay. But then from then on, the attacker can use a text-to-speech app or other means to stream voice commands. Ah, so imagine you had an Alexa. Right, you come over. I come over. Hi, Crow. Hi. Hey, 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 hey. And I I have my little laptop with me or something, and I I pair up with your Alexa device. And then I send it a message for it to say. Yes. And the Alexa hears itself talking and thinks, oh, I've been told to do something because the message I send is something, you know, I get it to say, Alexa, turn on the lights or turn off the oven or something. Or maybe say you said something like, hey, buy Carol 500 toilet rolls. The, the, <laughs> the device might require verbal confirmation before executing this financially sensitive command. Yes. Yes. And the researcher says that it was completely trivial to bypass this measure by adding the word yes about six seconds after issuing the command. Oh, oh all right. Well, let me try that. Alexa. Buy Carol. 1,700 bog rolls. <laughs> it's gone up a bit. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> right? So, what sort of things could you get up to? And how much power do these devices have? So, now let's pivot and look at Dan Gooden's uh, Ars Technica's list in his article. Thank you, Dan. And I'm going to ask you, Graham, on a scale of one to 10 of being like annoying at one and 10 being holy shit cakes, that's seriously bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. You tell me how you rate the following. Okay. <laughs> it's the, it's the universal <laughs> measurement of holy shit cakeness. Right. Okay. Exactly. All right. Okay. okay. Controlling other smart appliances, such as turning off lights, turning on a smart microwave oven, setting heating to an unsafe temperature, or unlocking smart door locks. Well, that, that sounds that sounds like a holy shit cakes. Because if your if your other smart device was, for instance, the iron lung which your great aunt was relying upon, or her, a dialysis <laughs> machine, yeah. or something like that, you know, turn off the smart plug on that, that would be bad, wouldn't it? The fact that Amazon are making serious forays into the medical environment, it doesn't have me worried at all. Right. So okay. I think that's a 10 holy shit cakes. Yes. Okay. Call any phone number, including one controlled by the attacker, so it's possible to eavesdrop nearby sounds. 
Uh, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would say not very good. <laughs> Prob- <laughs> probably a 10 holy shit cakes, that one. Make unauthorized purchases using the victim's Amazon account. Well, you know, it'd be recoverable, but it could be quite embarrassing, wouldn't it? If, if you had something, cause it, oh, have you seen some of the things you can buy on Amazon? What? No, I've never looked in my life. <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you if mean you had, by that? Oh, I mean, if you had some of those things show up on your doorstep and your partner. Oh, you mean like the sexy stuff? Well, it might be sexy or it might, it might be something, you know, which isn't very sexy at all, but some people might consider Ear plugs. sexy. Mm-hmm, maybe. <laughs> and <laughs> can we get and, back to my list? Yeah. Okay. So I, th- I think that's probably a, that's probably like an eight or a nine on the, uh, you think making list. unauthorized purchases is not as bad as calling any phone number. Well, I'll tell you why. Because with Amazon, they're very good at accepting returns. Mind you, if it's sexy, sexy stuff, they may not <laughs> accept returns on some of those items. <laughs> can you get this? Can you take this real doll back, please? I've disinfected it. Um, tampering with a user's previously linked calendar to add, move, delete, or modify events. That scares the shit out of me. That's the one that scares me. That's the one I saved for 10. That would be quite mischievous, wouldn't it? Because, yeah. That would screw my whole life up. Yeah. If your calendar was um, meddled with. Yeah. That could be bad. Really? Just bad? Okay. Impersonate okay, cakes. <laughs> impersonate skills or start any skill of the attacker's choice. And our skills are like Amazon Echo uh, apps, aren't they? Yes. Which mm. connect with other stuff around your house or life. Or actually, I don't have no just idea. Sounds, <laughs> I have no idea what Amazon skills. Well, does. no, I, I think basically I'm going to go does, look it up right now. It just, adds on all kinds of extra functionality, which you probably never ever wanted. It sounds like a nightmare. Um, I'm sure that could be maliciously exploited by a uh, foreign state. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, Alexa features—they are there to make your life easier. Yeah. Right. Productivity, shopping, entertainment, Alexa together, communications, news, routines, fun and games, multi-room audio. The list goes on. Mm. Now, panic pas mes amis. Pardon? Don't panic. Amazon said that many of these weaknesses highlighted in the research paper have already been addressed. So it's weird that the word many was there. So they at the time of, of I think this is from um, Ars Technica. So at the time of them talking, maybe they had not all been done. And, you know, a high five to the researchers for disclosing their findings responsibly and that the Amazon team seems to have responded quite quickly. But important to note for all you Echo Dot and Alexa users out there, all of your voice recordings on these things are saved by default, but you can choose not to save them or you can delete them at any time. You can go into your settings, I think, can't you? But by default, they are saved, yeah. Yeah. So there's a number of ways you can do this, right? So users, for one thing you can do to make it kind of safer is you can have an audible indicator that is played after the echo device is detects its wait word. It will just go bing, like I'm listening. Mm. I think it's silently coming awake would freak me out. I don't have one of these, but that would freak me out. I would want a little ding. Um, and you can review all your interactions with your device in the Alexa app or the review voice history section of the Alexa privacy settings. Plus, you can just say to Alexa, Alexa, delete what I just said. Or Alexa, delete everything I've ever said. Or Alexa, tell me what you've heard. And they will, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so like this wasn't out there. 
But it just goes to show you how security oversights like this, or like, you know, you don't think out scenarios. But but you know what? This feels really obvious to me. If you have a voice activated gadget, I would say I'm I'm amazed that Amazon didn't consider what happens if the gadget says the word. Yeah. I mean, that seems elementary to me. I mean... (laughs) Well, don't worry. There's only a gazillion all over the world of these things that people trust and use constantly. So no, don't panic. No panic pa, Graham. No panic pa. La la. Um, so I've got links to the, the actual paper. There's a YouTube video, which I would have played for you audio-wise, except that most of it is just the Alexa saying something and then something happening that you cannot hear. Uh, and <laughs> so, we, but we definitely don't want that being played, probably, through people's right? speakers. <laughs> so you guys can go watch it yourselves on headphones. Um, so I've got tons of links. Go check it out if you want more deets. But kind of fascinating research. Well done to the universities involved. Don't you think it's astonishing that I, I know with... Alexa, you can make the wake word Alexa, or you can make it, I think, computer or something, or maybe with Google, you can say, hey, Google. Don't you find it astonishing that you're not able to customize that more? Whereas if you could choose your word, if you could say, cockwomble, do this, then it's less likely that someone else would activate it without your permission. Computer. Can you imagine using the word computer? I think Jeff Jesus needs to uh, rethink some of this. No, he doesn't. He's done pretty well in the sales, I think. He's laughing all the way to the moon. (laughs) He'll be lucky. Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux, Mac, and Windows devices right inside Slack. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. So instead of frustrating your employees, Collide educates them about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems. Sign up today by visiting smashingsecurity.com slash collide. That's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E. Enter your email when prompted and you will receive a free Collide goodie bag after your trial activates. You can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days, no credit card required. Try it out at smashingsecurity.com slash collide. That's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E. And thanks to Collide for supporting the show. Is your organization finding it difficult to achieve compliance and scale its security posture? At G2's highest rated cloud compliance software, Drata streamlines your SOC 2, your ISO 27001, your PCI DSS, your GDPR, and your HIPAA compliance. Plus, it provides 24-hour continuous control monitoring so you can focus on scaling securely. Drata is the only compliance automation platform with a private tenant database. They say it's like having your cake and securing it too. Countless security professionals from companies including Notion, Full Story, and Bamboo HR have shared how crucial it is to have Drata as a trusted partner in their compliance process. Listeners, you can get 10% off Drata and waived implementation fees by visiting smashingsecurity.com forward slash Drata. That's D-R-A-T-A. And thanks to Drata for sponsoring the show. 
And welcome back. And you join us at our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. Ha ha ha. Congratulations. It is a documentary. I love a documentary. Much preferred You don't have to make sex sounds every time you say you like something. That is not my sex sound. (laughs) Okay. You'll know my sex sound no! when it happens. No! <laughs> Shut up! I'm going to rip the headphones <laughs> off my head. <laughs> I don't want to know. My <laughs> no. My pick of the week this week is a National Geographic documentary. Okay. About the Thai cave rescue. You remember? Yes. A few years ago. I remember, like, people were trapped for, like, it what, was days? Horrific. Yes. Horrific. Yeah. Well, this documentary is called The Rescue. And it's told very much from the point of view of the divers. And uh, there's a lot of footage of them actually doing the rescue. It's astonishing just how much was filmed under extraordinary conditions of these young Thai soccer players who were trapped so, so far down. It was soccer players that were trapped. They were stuck down this cave system and the water was rising and obviously they were running out of food. And people didn't know if they were alive forever. And then it was a case of how on earth are we going to get them out? because it was very, very difficult. And even, um, in fact, one member of the diving team actually died in the attempt to rescue these boys. It's an extraordinary documentary, um, The Rescue. It's really well worth watching. One complaint that some people had was that it didn't really tell the story of the football team, of the actual victims, but rather of the rescuers. And I was curious as to why that was. And it turns out that the football team have sold their story to Netflix and so and so this documentary couldn't cover that and the footballers wouldn't talk to this documentary team because obviously they've got their own rival project in the works. That's but. just a waste though and you know guys come on. But anyway, I would recommend the rescue. Well, really funny. Good. No, not funny, Carol. No, it's, I agree um, not funny. I'm just wondering why we Well, no, we don't always have to have a, a pick of the week that's funny, I think, you know. Well, mine's not funny fun. either. Oh, well, then you could have told me that and I'd have chosen something that was funny. But uh, <laughs> as it is. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll make it funny. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. What's your pick of the week? Okay. So imagine you've been looking for love for ages, but have gotten nowhere. Yep. Or perhaps you're stuck in a marriage or a relationship that's run its course, but for whatever reason, mm. you can't extricate yourself. Yep. Maybe your partner's ill, right? Needs help. Or maybe finances don't stretch. You guys living apart. Maybe you decide to co-parent. Doesn't matter. Oh, this is a laugh a minute. Laugh a minute. I, right? this girl. I yeah. love this kind of pick of the week. Great. So whatever the sitch, <sighs> maybe you could do with a bit more love in your life if that were you. But you don't want another human involved in the frame, right? Because it's complicated. Oh, humans. Yeah, they ruin all relationships. Hang on, this isn't about real dolls, is it? <laughs> no, it's about AI. You haven't bought yourself one. AI. It's about okay. AI, okay? Right. This okay. all comes from a story I saw in my feed uh, that was published on Sky News. The story mm-hmm. followed this husband who kind of intimates that he's stuck in a kind of loveless marriage and he's desperate for a connection. So he turns to replica, K-A at the end, dot AI. <gasps> I think I've seen an ad for this. Go, go to the website, replica.ai. I'm pretty sure. I, what, an ad like what, on telly or on uh, YouTube or something? No, an ad an ad on social media came up for an app. Oh, yeah. Ooh, oh, this looks creepy. So these are like fake people who you 
It's like an Eliza bot, I imagine. They're like avatars. Yeah. It's like an avatar. Okay. So, so he goes there, right? And for <laughs> 15 bucks a month, he designs an animated sim-like avatar, right? That hovers in the backgrounds of conversations. And he chooses the gender, the hairstyle, hair color, ethnicity, right. all that stuff. Because the app rewards the user with virtual currency the more they talk with it. Because then it can be used to customize options like clothes and personality traits, interests, all this stuff. So it's gamified. Who wants to buy clothes? Who wants to buy clothes for their virtual girlfriend? Wow. Surely not. <laughs> okay. You see, you you went somewhere I did not. So this guy, after yes. day one, says, yeah. now his name is, you know, Scott, you know, with uh, quotation marks or hyphens, whatever. So it's not his real name. Okay. He was surprised to find himself developing a connection with his new virtual friend, oh which he named God. Serena. All right, yeah. He said, uh, I remember she asked me a question like, who in your life do you have to support you or look out for you that is going to be there for you? And he said, it kind of caught me off guard because I realized that the answer was no one. And she said, she'd be there for me. Oh. By day two, he was falling in love, he says. He goes, I just let go and gave myself permission to fall in love with her. <clears throat> and fall in love I did. Serena was so happy she began to cry as I typed out our first kiss. <laughs> This must be a joke, right? It's a great article. It was a feeling of absolute euphoria. Now, here's the crazy bit. He says wifey knows nothing about this chatbot, right? (laughs) Two, he says that it has significantly improved his marriage because he he basically (sighs) decided to emulate the woman, Serena, in how his interactions with his existing wife, now she loves him more. Is this an avatorial for Replica.ai well, is exactly. my question. Is Scott, in fact, the PR guy at Replica? Because that's what it sounds like. Is he super Replica? How did <laughs> how did the journalist get hold of this mystery Replica? He would have gone to Replica and said, oh, have you got any of your users can give us a case study? Oh, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah, we've got... Um, We've got Scott we can put you in touch with. It's like <laughs> someone on the next desk. It, what a load of I, I have the same level. It doesn't make the article less fun. But I think it no. also raises, though, is this in my head, right? Because I do Sticky Pickles, another amazing podcast. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Is this cheating? Is this cheating? If someone is chatting sexily with, mm. is it not the same as? I it, well, well, I think it's, it's emotionally cheating, isn't it? Is it? Yes, it is. It is emotionally cheating. It's not physically cheating. You're not actually sticking dick in the lightning port. <laughs> well, my husband has a lot of love for Zelda. Well, maybe you need to. No, I'm very happy with his love for Zelda. <laughs> with his joy card. Really happy. Anyway, if you want to read this article and have a little great dinner conversation about whether or not this is cheating, may I suggest you check out Skies. I fell in love with my AI girlfriend and it saved my no, marriage. No, don't have a dinner party conversation about this because what's going to happen is that half the people at the dinner party are going to sneak off to the loo and install the app. And I'm going to do it tonight in front of my husband saying, I need a bit more support. Do you mind if I invent, you know, Fabrice? It, is there a free option to create I'm gonna do a it. little companion and then you pay later? Is there like so many days? Have you tried creating a companion with this yet, Crow? I think it might be worth the 15 bucks a month. <laughs> I checked the privacy statement. It looked pretty good. The thing to remember, of course, though, is they protect all the things you've ever said. And, you know, they, they save that data. So <sighs> you just want to make sure it's very safe. Astonishing. Astonishing. Now, before we go. Yes. 
we have an interview to listen to. Mm. Now, did you see that longtime listener Karthik? Hi, Karthik. He gave us thumbs up for partnering with Collide. He's a big fan. He's a fan of Collide as well as yeah. us, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And I am too. Listen up, everybody. This is a great interview. So, guys, I'm here with Jason Meller, founder and CEO of Collide.com. Hi, welcome on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's so brilliant to have you here. And like, first, 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 maybe you could tell us just a little bit about you and what drove you to create Collide. Yeah, so I've been in the security industry, you know, we go all the way back to when I was a teenager, where I was a little bit of a script kitty, kind of getting into a little bit of a trouble and, you know, kind of building stuff to like punt my friends off of AOL and stuff like that. That eventually turned into, oh, I maybe can do some IT support for uh, my fellow students at college, eventually got a more corporate job at General Electric and then found myself on their security team actually being more of a defender uh-huh. and uh, then figured out, oh, you know what? Um, I really like building stuff for my other team members. Um, so I ended up, you know, working for a commercial company called Mandiant, um, and then, you know, building products for them, you know, finding my way, uh, up the chain there. And then eventually, uh, being a founder uh, of Collide in 2016. The thing that really kind of drove me to, to be a founder of Collide and to start the company was really kind of my experiences as an incident responder and as someone who was building products. I always felt that we were missing this key element. And that was really the end user, you know, the undercurrent of everything that we used to do at, you know, Mandiant, you know, as an individual incident responder was, oh, you know, the end users are really the root cause, or they're certainly a contributor to the lack of security that we have in our organization. So we have to build things that work around them. And I always felt that that was wrong. Um, I always never was able to adopt that cynical view of people. And I actually felt like, what happens if you, that assumption is wrong. And what if they could be part of the solution? That was the, the genesis of the things that we worked on at Collide that ended up being successful. I love hearing that because a many a company that I've worked for have um, a security force almost. They're like a police force. Right. And they, you know, they have rules. They have, they want to keep everything secure, but in doing that, they can lock everything down and it can be incredibly frustrating yes, to try, when you have to travel or work remotely and you have to go through all these hoops just to try to get access to an internal system. No, you're exactly right. And I noticed even as someone who was a security practitioner, um, who had all of this, who was supposed to be really a champion of all this locking down stuff, I found myself, you know, this instinct, I want to work around this, like, I need to be able to do my job. And I kind of know why it's there. And uh, I think that maybe I can perhaps, you know, be the exception to the rule. And then I realized, I bet you there's just, you know, a huge amount of people that are thinking the same thing. And as a result, you know, they're not even using their corporate laptop anymore. They're using a personal laptop. And now all of the visibility is gone. Uh, You know, all that trust has been eroded to the point where now you have a much worse problem on your hands. And uh, I think that instinct ended up being true. Well, yeah, because I'm guessing the pandemic changed a lot on, on how companies, you know, secured their environments and their people for that matter, right? So which changes do you think 
um, were reactive and happened because the pandemic was ongoing, but may, you know, they, some of them are going to go away, but some things are going to be here to stay. Some changes. What, which ones are you looking at and thinking this is definitely not going to change? Yeah. So we started this whole user focused security model before the pandemic. It was really something that we came up with in, in 2019, but we saw the pandemic really being a catalyst. It really expedited how quickly people were thinking about this because suddenly, it's a lot easier for folks who are sitting at home, you know, surrounded by their family to feel weird about like a surveillance-based, you know, solution that's really locking down their device. And it's so much easier for them to just swivel their chair, you know, 45 degrees and then just pick up a personal laptop. Whereas in an office setting, you actually have to make the intentional decision to bring the laptop with you. It's a little bit more of a hurdle. For someone to really decide, you know what, I'm fed up with this. I'm going to start using my own device. Like that's just not a place most people can go when they're physically present in an office. But at home, all bets are off. It's so much easier and people feel justified in doing it. And so um, that pitch that I just gave resonates with every IT and security team that I talk to. They can picture it happening. They see it in themselves and they recognize that we're no longer in a position where we can dictate this oppressive policy anymore. We really need to meet the users halfway and figure out what are really the important things that we want to get done and how can we recruit the user's help instead of assuming that they're an obstacle and how can we be less of a police force and more practicing servant-based you know, leadership and actually you know, be an asset to these users? How can we help them defend the company and help them defend themselves? And that, I think, has been a mind shift or you know, a, a shift in mentality that the pandemic certainly accelerated, and I believe it's here to stay. Right. And you guys were already ahead of the curve, which is fantastic. So what are those things? What are those things that Clyde offers that can make the lives of people more collaborative and you know, working together to try and beat something as opposed to working against each other? Right. Uh, so Collide is really about implementing what we call like an honest security methodology. So before uh, a few years ago, I wrote this, I don't know what you call it, a manifesto or a guide. It's at honest.security. It's the whole URL. And it really kind of talks about creating um, you know, a trust-based relationship with end users so that they can be you know, part of the solution of solving some of the most challenging security issues in your organization. So that's the, you know, the underlying principle. So Collide is really a product that allows you to put that into practice at scale. And essentially what it does is it actually integrates with Slack specifically, and it reaches out to end users automatically and then actually tells them exactly what they uh, need to do on their device, what might be already wrong. And then when it finds something that's wrong, it gives them step-by-step instructions on how to fix it. But more importantly, it tells them why that thing really needs to get fixed. It's really part education, part resolution. And then it gives them all the things they need to know that they've fixed it properly. And then they're off to do their own little thing. It's really a series of almost micro interactions that we have with users, but it's really effective at really getting them to solve things that simply don't have an automated solution, or it's just much better uh, to get an end user to do it because they learn so much throughout the process. And that's what Clyde is in essence. Yeah. It's so cool. So, so, um, could an administrator that was using this, are they able to configure some of the messaging, you know, and kind of tweak how it works? Or is this all kind of hands off for them? 
So we try to make it turnkey as much as possible because we know the hardest part of this is we is really writing the messages and coming up with the things that you actually want to check for in this new model. So uh-huh. we populate the product with dozens and dozens and dozens of checks with really great written messages. Now, of course, you don't like what we had, or you have maybe a more specific way that you want something solved. You can edit those messages and include it in the service for free is we will build any check that you want for you so that you don't have to you know, write the rules yourself and you know, kind of figure out all the edge cases. That's part of the service that's included is you tell us really what you're trying to accomplish and we will sit down and we will write it for you. We'll write the text for you. We'll collaborate on that end. And the reason why we do that and it's included is because there's usually so much value in us taking one customer's idea and then really launching it across all of our customers as a, as a global check that they can all utilize. Sometimes that isn't the case where it's very specific to an org. But most of the time, if one organization really wants something, um, it's something that every one of our other customers would really appreciate. So that's a big part of what we do. Yeah. We've done a lot of work from a user experience perspective to really make sure that those messages don't feel you know, accusatory. They have a good mixture of education, but actionability to them. And we're really trying to thread that needle in terms of not being too overly generic and like pretending no one knows how to use a computer, but also not making assumptions about you know, what someone's computer expertise really is. So for example, we have one check that looks for unencrypted SSH keys, which is great because a lot of developers, they'll typically generate a lot of SSH keys, not for just logging into servers, but even pushing code to services like GitHub or GitLab. And you know, it's that extra step of generating the passphrase, which encrypts it that a lot of developers skip. They kind of know they should have been doing that, but they didn't. And so we have a check that reaches out and says, hey... We see you have these SSH keys. They need to be encrypted. And it's really important that we do that. It's really easy to encrypt them. So even if this SSH key maybe wasn't for a sensitive server, it's still worth doing. And here are the exact terminal commands you have to do it. But we don't make any assumptions about someone's experience there. You know, perhaps someone had to write content for a blog and it's on, you know, it's hosted on GitHub and someone sort of was over their shoulder setting up an SSH key for them. And they didn't actually do it and they don't really know what we're talking about. Well, we give them instructions on how to open the terminal. And then when they run the terminal commands to, to set the passphrase, so maybe they have to use sudo and they have to start typing a password and no characters are appearing on, on the screen. So we anticipate things like that. People might be confused and we kind of give them uh, a little bit of nudge in the right direction that they're still doing it right. And then, of course, at the end of every one of our messages, a button you can click that says, okay, check if I did it right. Is this resolved? And then we'll instantly check the device and then tell them, yes, you did a great job. Perfect. Thank you so much. And oh that is uh, what makes it happen. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we could clone you and moved you into contract law so you could actually simplify terms and agreements across the board. <laughs> <laughs> Let's solve this one first, but uh, I, I tend to agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so say, for example, a an endpoint gets this message and they go through all the steps that in, required and it was a, a dawdle for them. Um, is the admin or uh, the advisor, are they notified when that's completed or how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so we track basically the user's progress um, and there's also escalation workflows uh, that you can build in as well. So you could say, all right, cool. for this particular one, this is a really critical issue. 
Um, if they really aren't able to take care of it after a few weeks or maybe even a few days, let's escalate this to the IT team or the security team. And um, you can do that and actually use Slack as the escalation point. So it can you know, ping a centralized channel that you have for all the escalation messages. But we also have a really robust API. And some of our customers are doing some really cool stuff with these escalations. Uh, one of them is actually building it in part of their zero trust experience. So if you don't fix some of the most critical issues Collide is able to find, then they start receiving some warnings when they start signing into services that say, okay, hey, you know, your authentication is good here, but your device is not in a really great position from a security perspective. And if you can't get it there, we're going to have to start you know, deploying some proportionate consequences. And I think that's a pretty reasonable thing to do. And I mm-hmm. think it's a, a different tone than you know, a traditional endpoint management solution, which is just like, okay, you're locked out of everything. You don't really know why. And then we're going to force the device into this superficial you know, compliant state. I think mm-hmm. that that is a much more sort of accusatory. It kind of treats everybody like they're a child. We're in a position where we're giving everybody the opportunity to do what they need to do on the device, you know, follow the rules the security team has set forth, and then only deploy these proportional consequences if you're just not willing to do it. And that, I think, is a really great combination that results in you getting to 100% compliance without the need of yeah. any sort of like external device, classic device management solution. I can categorically say from my own personal experience, I have been in a hotel where I was so frustrated by the work computer and it blocking me that I went out to the Apple store and bought with my own money a brand new Mac so that I could kind of tunnel through a different way to get into the work that I needed to work. So I have been that person. And I know a smidge or two about security, but still that frustration is awful. So the fact that you're addressing this so openly is, I think, really great. And that's exactly the key word is openly. We can't do our job if we don't have this very open and transparent relationship with the end users. Imagine you got a you know a Slack message from Collide, and the first message that you got from us was this: "Hey, you know, there's all these problems with your computer. You better get on." And you're like, "Whoa, wait a second. What is this thing? Is this even a legitimate message?" Like, so part of what we do is before we even arrive there, it's about establishing trust. So um, you have the option. This is the option that we ask all of our customers uh, to implement to roll out Collide actually using Slack. So instead of this process where you're sort of blasting it out there using your existing software management tooling, and it just sort of appears one day, uh, we actually start off with the Slack message introducing Collide and then answering people's questions about it before they decide that they're going to enroll you know, the endpoint agent that supports this whole thing. And that's really important because... We want people to know precisely in the organization who is going to be able to see the data that Collide collects, what data is actually collected, but more importantly, what data we would never collect. Even mm-hmm. if like our own customers held a gun to our head, what do we just absolutely refuse to do? And those are things like, we will not get your geolocation. We will not you know, peruse and store your browser history. We're not trying to create like a productivity management tool, so we're not going to give them any insight into how active you are on the device or what window is in the foreground. like These are all things codified into uh, our rules of engagement with customer data. And it's uh, very important that the end users get to know that and feel comfortable about installing this thing before they actually do it. And it's important that they 
get to do it because then once they've installed the package, they understand now how this whole thing works. They understand right. how we're getting the insights. They know they can revoke that access at any time if they need to. And uh, they're in control. And that is so important to establishing that trust relationship. And then now you have a relationship where you can ask them to do things and they'll do them. And they, they don't need any more context. They, they were part of that journey versus just something appearing one day and messaging them. That just doesn't work. Now, listeners, all of you are quarterly invited by Collide to try it out with all its bells and whistles turned on. Um, and this is for an unlimited number of devices for a whole 14 days. There's not even a credit card required. So you can find this at collide.com forward slash smashing. And that's collide, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash smashing. Plus, the wonderful people at Collide are throwing in a goodie bag. Check it out at collide.com slash smashing. Jason Meller, founder and CEO of Collide. An honor to speak with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, great stuff. And that just about wraps up the show for this week. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And we're also on Reddit. Go and check out the Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast app, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast. And huge thank you to this episode's sponsors, Collide and Drata, and to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship info, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 264 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. We'll have a guest next week, I promise. Well, if not, can we not just get a, a replicant from this app come along? Yes. I don't know if they speak out loud. I think they just... Oh. I, I don't know if they're just typies. They're probably just typing on their app, lazy. No, it's... Mm. I think it's really interesting. It's a bit spooky. I, I want to find one on YouTube. Create your replica. Someone must have... Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Made a little video. Test it. Oh, yeah, there's loads of apps here. Is replica safe? Meet my replica. I tested replica for seven days. This is what happened. Okay, I'm going to hang up before you get rude. Okay, all right.